Welcome back for another episode of Oysters, Clams, and Cockles, bringing you the best TV shows and movies in an easily digestible podcast packed with laughs every single week. I'm Ross Boland here with my buddy Barrett Dudley. Hello. Oh, wait, before we, uh, before we get started. Um... You got a present or something? You're, he's, he's accessing a backpack. Oh, well, no, no, I just... Uh, I needed, oh, wow, your credentials. I needed to put on my credentials. I needed to put on my, my we, credentials. We need you to be... One of I'm, us has yeah, to be because I'm a member of the uh, the press, as you'll note here oh, on wow. Austin Film Festival badge. Look at that. Yes, it yeah. says film. Yes. Yeah. Oh, no, yeah. it says press. Press, press. And then there's you smiling like a serial killer. That, like yeah, a, there's me. There's Why me. is it impossible to take a photo of just the <laughs> box of your head, anyone, not just you, without looking like a total psychopath? Because that's like the mugshot thing. It's like a, that's what you, you get a mugshot. Yeah, like driver's that. license, mugshot, yeah. credentials, everybody yeah. looks like a psychopath. Yeah. This was also like I had just come out of the rain, been at work all day, I was oh, kind yeah. of a wet dog, so you uh, know, you know okay. it's just, uh, but... Uh, also a 4K camera can... close up with nothing else around you but your face. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. So we'll just uh, we'll just set here this here on the table. Okay. It makes our podcast just a little bit more professional, you know? Why, why don't you tell us a little bit about your Austin Film Festival experience? First of all, let's let's thank the Austin Film Festival for even inviting you and I to, to uh, do stuff this yes, year. Yes, wildly appreciative. Um, Only one of the two, is, two of us even goes through with getting the credentials. Yeah, I had to, I had to get I had to get the cred. You know, I respect the grind and the hustle <laughs> and the badge. Um, you know, this was our this was our very first moment to shine ever as as members of the press, as being credentialed for something, as exactly. being being part of the uh, the media the media literati. Right. I tried so, to combine media and glitterati there. Sure. It didn't work out very it's well. That I, well. Part of this is that I refused to be a part of the liberal media, whereas you uh, dove yes. right in. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to give me. I lapped that lamestream media right up. Yes, so, you do. Yeah, yes, so, you do. You know. Um, but no, we are very grateful. And, uh, next time, you know, I, I, I wanted to make at least some small effort to participate in at least one thing, sure. which I did. I went to one thing. It, not that, not that the festival is over, but, but the, you know, well, we're busy. We're now we're busy. Now we're, we're doing our podcasting jobs. Plus Halloween is on Thursday. We're trying to win rings. Here, we're trying right? to win rings. We're busy. Yes. But, but next time. Next year, next event that we're, we're this was a learning experience. It was is what next it was. Next year, I'm going to have a tent, <laughs> and I'm going to stay down there, and I'm going to sleep in it. Well, so here's the thing. There's more stuff. He's accessing more, there's, the bag. There's again. more stuff. I got this. You is got my, a swag bag. This is my swag bag. This is my swag bag. This is uh, Chuck Norris's new water. This okay. Is Chuck, that's that's. Uh, oh wow! Not even finished. I didn't I, finish it. I well, could even <laughs> try it if I wanted to. This is incredible. It's like I'm there. I might as well have gone there, with you. There's all sorts of flyers for the various. Oh wow! Let me films see those. Let me see those and, too. And and um, short films and stuff that's going on. Yep. I, I noticed all the. I recognize these names from the seven thousand emails I got over <laughs> the past uh, week. Uh, here's more of them. But look, but look, off of the press table, what I picked up here is this is a sticker for somebody else's podcast. Yes, but why? Yes, but why? The Yes, but why podcast. Of course, we plug I'm it. Sorry, sorry. No free ads. Like idiots. Um, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, if you hold something up, I'm going to read it out loud <laughs> immediately, no matter what. <laughs> oh, shit. They've recorded with Mike here at Permanent Records. That's so, so obviously, we need to make stickers and get them on the table next year. Ah, that's, that's step one. Part that's of it. step one. Gets people talking around the gets, water cooler. Yes, we got to get our names Funke. around the water cooler. Uh-huh, Who is uh-huh. this Funke everybody keeps uh-huh. talking about? Yep. Uh and um, you know, I mean, look at like these are really nice like cart flyers that they that these Let me films are making. Did and... you get any voicemails? Did you get calls from any directors or film creators? I don't think I did. Or is it that you just you're the worst phone person ever and don't check your voicemails? That's possible, but I don't remember any voicemails. Okay, well, I've been getting 
actual phone calls from. Okay. So that's an- another thing to note. That's part of the deal here. If you join the press and you put your number and your email on there, it's not just that you have to go for like the big dogs like Benioff and Weiss no, at this no, festival. No, right. You have to reserve them and yada yada. Yeah, but a yeah. lot of people are also going to try to come to you. Well, because you got to start somewhere. Sure, you, you know do. we got to we got to see the smaller guys and, yeah. and interview the, the you know the lesser known directors so that we can when Benioff and Weiss roll through Austin again next time. Right. We can say, hey, Benny and Benioff and Weiss. We want to come uh, trash you on our podcast. Yeah, we, it, we'd like to do it right to your face this time. And this, we, you know, right. Yeah. And uh, and we just got through these great sessions with some, uh, you know, some smaller directors. So there's our there's our cred. And then you show them this credential. Then I show them the credential, and they yeah. crap their pants. Yes, and inter- and they are forced yeah. at that point to there, interview. There's us. there's uh, there was other stuff. There's like script writing classes, all sorts of stuff. It's a real. It's a real, it's a real event, Ross. It's a, it it's a real shindig. Would you call it a festival? I would call it a, fe- a festival. Of I would, film. I would, I would call it a festival. Somewhere in here is the list of all the parties that I was invited to. Wow! Like, you know, holy shit! We can keep up with it all. I know. Um, the let's... hustle and bustle of this media life, Barrett. <laughs> this credentialed life you live. Next time, we won't be so overwhelmed by the emails. We'll, uh, we'll be in there. Hopefully, it won't be right during the the Astros trying to win a ring. You know. You know, yeah, we got we got. Hopefully, at we, that point, we'll just be so flooded with rings. Yeah, there's a lot to look forward to. Basically, for next time, here's what I did get to do. There, there was one event on this list uh, among a few, but one stood out to me as something that I was really interested in going to see. Okay, it was called a Seinfeld retrospective. Ah, uh, yes, and it was going to air two episodes of Seinfeld at uh at the the theater next to the Paramount. It's all, they're all kind of one. It's called the State Theater. Okay. But if you're familiar with like the big historic theater on Congress in Austin called the Paramount. Yeah, I've been to I've been to Paramount it, a handful it, of times. Yeah, for comedy shows, yeah, stuff yeah. like that. It was basically there. Aziz there. Yeah. Um and then after the two episodes of Seinfeld, it was an interview and then an audience Q&A with David Mandel. Oh, wow. Who was one of the big writers on Seinfeld for its last 3 seasons. And then also went on to become the showrunner for the back half of Veep. Oh, yeah, this guy. And also wrote on Curb Your Enthusiasm. So this guy has like, you know, if you Google quite him, a resume. you immediately recognize him from seeing him at the Emmys uh, every year for the past 20 years. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. yeah. That's that's that guy. So uh, the, we we watched uh, we watched two episodes of Seinfeld. The, the second one was Manhands. Okay, and also Bizarro Jerry. So it was like a fantastic, like all time episode. Good selection, and uh, and which is one that he basically wrote, and then he got, and then he talked about basically like how they wrote Seinfeld, how they got all the stories, what the writers' room was like, basically just you know kind of all this different stuff that he that he talked about uh, industry you know, about, insights about Seinfeld, which I'm a huge, massive Seinfeld fan. Um, what was your takeaway from, I guess, his like? What What do you think made their so particular experience? I, I different? think I think one of the biggest insights that I you know that I grabbed from from this particular Q and A was that the Seinfeld writers' room was a lot different than modern day comedy writers' rooms. How's that? So in a in a modern writers' room, there is a there's a kind of a lean towards everybody pitching in on almost every script. Okay. And for a guy like David Mandel, he attributes some of the, you know, bad lowest common denominator, Big Bang Theory style comedy to that. That makes sense to me. On Seinfeld, there was a writer's room, as in there were lots of writers, but they were each pitching individual ideas. And when they would get like, when they would basically have an approved idea for for Kramer, Jerry, George, and Elaine, 
It'd be like, okay, now write that. Now write that episode, and then they would write the individual episode. The one, the one writer would finish the episode. Y- yes, right. and then in most cases, Jerry and Larry would like go through it, would draft. polish it, sure, and add a little here and there, sure. And that sounds like an effective means to creating an incredible television show. Well, Whereas, when, like when, thirty people being like, joke, 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 another joke, 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 fucking joke. Well, it's weird. It, so you say that he also talked about how it, you know if you pulled. If you pull out all of the jokes, basically, all the punchlines from a show like Big Bang Theory, yeah. you're left with like three minutes of television. Right. And if you do that on a show like Friends, you're left with like maybe eight or nine minutes of television. And then on, if you do that on Seinfeld, you're still left with like 13 minutes of television. Okay. So it's, there is, it, it was a sitcom that used plot and like set up way more than just like these like ham-fisted punchlines joke joke that kind of that that would eventually kind of consume network television sitcom was he picking on big bang theory a little bit why is that the example he uh, big bang theory did come out of his mouth but i think that big bang theory is kind of the ultimate dog shit comedy that had like 50 million americans watch every single week it's like the it's like the adam sandler movie of Network TV success, but even sure. to a greater degree. It's but, like, but I would say, even, yeah, yeah, like a whole nother level. They won Emmys and shit on with that show. Yeah, oh yeah. yeah. Have you ever watched a full episode of Big Bang Theory? I've never watched a full episode. It is, it's really something. I mean, who could make it through a whole episode? Apparently, like five fifty minutes, million max. Americans, something like that. It's I, uh, they, I, I mean, I could, I could barely sit through it, dude. It's, it's, it's really tough. You always talk about like when you're not able to identify with or like a single character, it makes it difficult for you to like Breaking Bad. Yeah, Big Bang Theory is mine <laughs> because it's not just that I don't like any of the characters. I want to give them all noogies and stuff, right, like, right. I, and and in some cases, beat their asses. Um, but but no, he he did not. I don't think he really he may have he may have singled out Big Bang Theory. Other than that, he didn't call out any shows. Okay. Okay. Although that'd be been sweet if he had. No shit. Just started roasting. He did, I mean, because he was talking about like lazy writers and like, you know, he he had some yeah. he he felt some type of way. I mean, you can you can tell it's obviously a big problem, right? Because like it's like the 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 cream of the crop stuff that we talk about that rises to the top, we're talking about the best of the best and we're sure. not discussing horribly written television shows, but there are a lot of really, really bad Horribly written television shows. That might be a great segue into a uh, another discussion that, that? that we have on on uh, tap for oh, today. Oh God, we have so many. <laughs> Let's move into that one though. This episode of OCC is brought to you by Lisa. I think Lisa, uh, one of our longest running sponsors, they make the most comfortable beds, mattresses in the entire freaking world, along with pillows and blankets and other stuff too. That's fantastic. Your mattress equally as important as like your living room television purchase, if not more important. And in my case, I believe it to be even more important. If I had to pick one, you're going to take one. I need the bed. I've got to get the sleep. I've got to get the rest. I've got to wake up refreshed. Lisa knows how important rest is to a better life. Lisa is the foundation of a healthier, happier you. And to Lisa, a bed is more than just a place to sleep. It's a place for relaxation and rest. All of their products have been thoughtfully designed to go beyond creating a comfortable bed to transform your bedroom into a sanctuary that you actually want to spend time in. Their most advanced luxury hybrid mattress is made with premium foams and springs for enhanced pressure relief with edge-to-edge support. The hybrid is thoughtfully designed with the best of both worlds. This is the mattress that I have, the hybrid. It is fantastic. As I say, it is the most comfortable bed I've ever laid eyes or body on. Love it, love it, love it. I could not more highly recommend it. And Lisa believes all people should have access to deep rest and relaxation. And as such, they make it easy for their customers to know they've made the right choice through their social impact initiatives tied to each purchase. Lisa donates one mattress 
For every 10 they sell through organizations that work in causes like foster care prevention, to date they have donated more than 33,000 mattresses through more than 1,000 nonprofits. Lisa mattresses are made uh, right here in the USA. In-home delivery and setup is available. Financing is also available if you need it. Don't miss out. Clam fam, live healthier, live happier by resting deeper. Order today and get 15% off any mattress from Lisa for a limited time at lisa.com slash dragon. Use the promo code dragon. That's L-E-E-S-A dot com slash dragon. Promo code dragon. Um, okay, for, I guess you want to do, do Benioff and Weiss yeah, exit Star Wars first? Yeah, let me, because we were we were segueing from David Mandel's critique of kind of some lazy, bad writing that's right. out there. And before, so I did want to use that as, it felt like a natural segue. It is. Before, though, I did just want to drop one more uh, nice word about Seinfeld. With It's been a while since I was like watching Seinfeld on the reg. That kind of like disappeared a little bit with um you know the, with me cutting the cord sure because that's typically how i would watch seinfeld is just like you get home from work you're cooking it's on tv you throw on day. tbs or comedy central or where or wgn or wherever it's being syndicated basically right. and catch a few episodes yeah they usually have two or three in a row so it's, like that. it's been it's been a while since i just like sat down and like watched an episode of seinfeld and I, I I don't expect like the real youngins to appreciate uh, appreciate it the way that that we do, or especially like you know people nominally ten to fifteen to twenty years older than us do. But it is still such an incredible, incredible show. Oh God, yeah! Like it's just the fact that it is still so relatable. Yes, to two thousand nineteen everyday life. That's the and there basically crazy. wasn't technology during right. it. Cell phones, computers, that all that like shit. Like the, the very late seasons, there's like some references to cell phones and email and computers and stuff like that. They start to work in some technology jokes. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, it, it was like sev- at least seven seasons of almost none of that. Right. And it's just... It's just interpersonal relationship humor. Yeah. For the most it's, part. It's just... And like weird quirks of the characters. Yeah. And then also just Larry David is one of the funniest human beings to ever walk the face of the earth. And... and well, so is Jerry, obviously. But, yeah. But Larry, I think Larry's like... Uh, the, all of the ways he is strange right. are, are, is such a big part of what made that duo successful. One other thing that David commented on, just like talking about the interpersonal dynamics and like how funny the show is, is that pretty much every single story on Seinfeld was pulled from a grain of truth, basically. It was like something that, something similar or something inspired very, by, like yeah. inspired by something that had actually happened to the writer or like the writer's family or the writer's friend. When that's how you so get it, and like shit. that's why it's that, that's why it's so funny is because it, even in its like absurdest moments cuz it happens. It's like it's yeah, stu- that it's type stuff of, that happens. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it, it's that's what made it I mean there's dude there's not an episode I won't watch, but there are like 30 that if it's one of the ones on the TV, I'm I'm stuck right. for 20 minutes minimum, right. you know what I mean? Totally. There's so many episodes of that show that if I see it's on, I'm like, "Ah." Oh. <laughs> I have to watch this one. The puffy fucking shirt or I mean there's just puffy there's shirt, so yeah. there's so many. Um but yeah, Seinfeld fantastic. And yeah, it so, also inspired so many of the other comedies oh and God. shows that we I mean it basically so much. it is like the it's patient zero, I yep. would say, yeah. for for arrested development, Veep, um The Office, obviously Parks and Rec, Curb Your Enthusiasm, yeah, man. It's, like it's, all those like oh a lot to Seinfeld. Of course. Uh, yeah, it was like the first I mean, for us, in our lifetime, I want to say like Cheers and shit deserve some credit too sure, for before, sure. but in our lifetime, it was like the first really funny TV show that was like 
approaching adult themes and stuff with a level of maturity and humor that otherwise didn't exist. Yeah. It was like a step above everything else. And then I feel like it raised the whole bar and that's why we've gotten all these other really good comedies out of it in the in the last 20 years or whatever. For sure. So uh, well, now let's talk about trash. Let's talk about some lazy bastards. Yeah. Benioff and Weiss, uh, huge double news today. The first, the first Game of Thrones related news we're going to discuss is for former showrunners David Benioff and D.B. Weiss, who uh, launched Game of Thrones in 2011. The, the big news today is that they were supposed to usher in the, the new era of Star Wars in 2022. Remember when that news broke that they had signed with Lucasfilm and they were going to be the oh, guys I do, I do. that took the new Star Wars? And as a result, they were going to need to get the fuck out of Game of Thrones very quickly uh, because they're going to be busy with this Star Wars stuff, Barrett. There's a galaxy far, I know, far I know. away. They got, they, got, uh, they got droids and shit to mess with. They do. So, so we figure, hell, that's a pretty decent excuse to need to get the fuck out. I don't know. It's at least part of the reasoning we accepted for why season eight was maybe not so spectacular. Uh, it just wasn't that good, frankly. <laughs> Storytelling-wise, it wasn't. And today it is, it, is, it is announced that these two doofuses have walked away from the Star Wars franchise uh, because their schedule is full. Mm-hmm. So still, mm-hmm. scheduling appears to be a problem for these two boys, which is funny because you'd think rich guys could just hire, oh, you know, assistants and secretaries and such to handle the scheduling of things. It's a calendar. You pick days and you add things to them. It's pretty fucking simple. And there's no way all these dudes' days are filled. Yeah. And, uh, and that's why it's um, mostly bullshit and they got fired. Yeah. yeah. You think, okay. And here's where the thread starts to get pulled on by you and I. It's you and I have talked about Benioff and Wise enough and spent enough time with their biggest project of all time, Game of Thrones, that I think it's fair to say we can have a, a pretty unbiased and like high ground look at what they've what's happened here. And for me, it is starting to feel more and more like they got lucky. I, I yeah, I, it's unfortunate, but I think that that is looking more and more like the case because when you read through the story, it's like. Remember the pilot? The original Game of Thrones pilot was absolute shit. They openly admitted repeatedly to having no idea what they were doing. Uh, 92% of it, I believe, is what they've admitted to it being reshot. In fact, it was so reshot, HBO signed it anyway because they saw the potential, but it was so reshot that another director received credit for the pilot than the original director. And which they turned in a shit heap. Yes. And HBO went, okay, but. Maybe this is worth one season of a try. And then things just happen to snowball correctly from there. And I think if you look at it from the standpoint, well, I mean, you made a fantastic analogy earlier too. That HBO, I want you to had to, HB, HBO had to spend millions of do- more dollars to reshoot almost the entire pilot after right. they turned in a, a dumpster a poopy fire. one. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, they like... They, they, Famously, by the way, that's right. like a famous piece of the Game of Thrones lore at this point, that the first pilot was trash. No, yeah. So the analogy that I made when we were chatting uh, off mic earlier today is that what it feels like to me is they are a mediocre NFL running back. They were behind an incredible NFL offensive line. Benioff and and Weiss are the running back. And Benioff and Weiss are the sort of crappy, not that good, but they're serviceable running back. Sure. And the game of, and and George R.R. Martin's books along with HBO's guidance and money and resources are the, you know, the top-notch offensive line. Got it. So basically, any old fools would have been to run through the hole. hole. I'm getting five yards on that field. You're getting five yards per carry on that field. Yeah, exactly. Because it it would have been difficult to screw this up with 
the texts at hand and with just like the HBO higher ups right. kind of like holding your hand for the first however long and like letting you giving you access to the HBO kingdom, basically. Yes. And there are so many red flags along the way, though, like the pilot being the first big one. But then like every single episode of Inside the Episode ever. <laughs> yes. We're like Benioff and Weiser Dude, mispronouncing characters names. Cersei. Th- this this makes it the, makes more the, and more sense. The, by the way, I don't know if we've actually said what they said at the Austin Film Festival, but no. they basically just admitted to like not having a clue what they were doing the entire time. <laughs> they had no they still don't know why George R. R. Martin ever trusted them with the series. That quote is the one that really stuck out to me. They I have like... no they had no background in fantasy. They admitted to struggling with dialogue in the early days. They said, quote, in every scene, we were three lines away from Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Why the fuck would you say that out loud? They basically, and then I also believe that they just acknowledged that they were just like rushing at the end and that they had stopped caring. I, I think they said things that were, that, that were like basically par- a paraf- paraphrase of that. Yes. And the things that they said at the Austin Film Festival have then, as a result of today, especially even, snowballed into all this coverage of those quotes. And right. have, have people have started to pick even more at like, what the fuck is so with these guys? Now, yeah. So we, we always talked about like how, man, in the inside of the episodes, it really doesn't seem like they know the show super duper well. Or like they know what they're talking about. And oftentimes they would say things that I would straight up disagree with. Yeah. Like I was like, no, the explanation <laughs> you just gave is in fact incorrect as a book reader and show watcher and just generally like intelligent fucking person with common sense. What you just said is wrong. Yeah. It, it, I mean, even like, and you just compare that to think about the showrunner the inside the episodes after Chernobyl, like that dude knew it's just the world and the have story like inside and out. He knew at what every single scene and moment was like supposed to convey and exactly what he wanted to do. Jesse Armstrong in succession, like very similar. I think that he, I think that, that Jesse Armstrong leaves like more nuance and kind of like, just like the show kind of leaves some stuff in the corners. I think that some of his stuff is like a little bit more open to interpretation than something historical like Chernobyl, but he just like, he just seems to know his, his own show. Which they never did. And they did. never really did. And then it started to get worse and worse. And it would get worse and worse, which is basically what they said at the film festival at the panel, is that they that 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 they cared less every single year. And one of the things that you and I discussed, another one, there's so many pieces of this, but like as the show went on, it became more and more overwhelming. And the impending deadline of George R. R. Martin's stuff is about to disappear and we're going to be off in the deep end by ourselves, I think started to get to him a little bit too. And then that's when they came to the decision of like, we need to get out, I think. It was panic. And then what's really unfortunate about it is that it affected so many other people and their jobs and all the the shit and the way they shot it and all that. Like go back and watch The Long Night, the documentary now with the insight of maybe these guys were dumbasses and it's fucking brutal. Like- (laughs) They went through a lot of shit to put that eighth season together, dude. You don't see Benioff and Weiss out there lacking for sleep on the fucking set. It's the directors, the actors, the extras, and these fools rush through these last six episodes or whatever, shit the bed, come out the other side, get fired from Star Wars, and it's like, (laughs) you know who's holding the checkbook right now getting shit on, though, is Netflix. They signed them to a $250 million deal. That that is true. That is true. What are they going to make? 
I, that goddamn Civil War movie about yeah. what if the South had won? That's, an, that's another. another that's, that's not another a red, red flag. Barrett, that's not a red flag. That's a Confederate flag being beaten <laughs> over your head. What, what they, the fuck what they was wanted that? to follow up their massive, massive Game of Thrones success with was a show an, about an alternate history where the South had won the Civil War. <laughs> Which is like, look, the, the, that show on Amazon where it's like if the Nazis and the and the Japanese had won World War II, that's not good. And that's based on books. Yeah. I can't even believe they pitched that. <laughs> Remember when the news broke and we were on the show still like, we were just like, it was, I think we were, we were still in like a lot of denial about what was yeah, happening. Yeah, totally, totally. And it, so we just sort of told the news like... Yeah, Benioff and Weiss, were, this seemed like a really stupid idea, but anyway, it's not happening now, and then we just sort of moved on. They tried to make a movie where this, or a series where the Civil War ended with the South winning and slavery continuing throughout the entire country. The, the, uh, the really unfortunate part about all this, again, in like hindsight's 2020, it's really interesting to look back at all the things that we were saying during season eight while yes, it dude. was going on. But this just makes it even more depressing that they didn't hand it off to a guy like the Cogman. Who because clearly who cared. clearly cared, you know, so so much about yes. the show and knew the show and knew the books. And Dude, like, even in hindsight, it's hard not to attribute a little of the Cogman's like seemingly depressed nature on set to the fact that he was being beaten down by these two <laughs> morons. So I, I, you know, if it's like if they felt like that, if they were losing the passion for the show, if they were ready to move on to other things, then just just leave, man. Take your bow. You did. You you're not going to lose credit. No, your name is going to stay. In fact, on the front. You, you'll have more credit than ever. You will leave your legacy untarnished. Yeah, my friend. Yes. Do not. Uh, let Let me just tag right back on to another little Seinfeld reference. But Larry David left the show after season seven. Eight yeah. and nine had no Larry David. That's he, crazy. I always do. Forget that. Do people talk about how Larry David? Uh, well, you know, Seinfeld season eight and nine, he won there. No. no, they do not. Nobody cares or notices or even remembers that Seinfeld yeah. is Larry David's. The show still would have been theirs. It just would have been under the helm of somebody that still cared about it. Right. And, it pro is... and we probably would have gotten a much better ending and better a better last 14 hours of television. And at the end of the day, that's the thing that makes this all unforgivable to me is that Game of Thrones through six seasons, despite doofus A and B, was the best thing I've ever seen created on a screen of any kind. And then seven and eight was jarringly different. Yeah. And we now are starting to understand more and more of maybe why. That these two dudes that we talked up for so many years as these geniuses who created this, this fucking masterpiece, it didn't have so much to do with them. It was maybe we should have been given a lot more credit to the actors. Oh, we gave a lot of credit to the actors and actresses, but I'm just saying actors, actresses, writers, Cogman, the directors and shit. Mm -hmm. Like those are the people who really shined here in, in, in my opinion at this point, despite Benioff and Weiss. Yeah. yeah. And we don't even, dude, imagine all the stuff we don't know. Like this is just the shit we find out because we have to, like they got fired or they're done with Star Wars that... The, the, the way their schedule broke out was a big piece of the reason why they wanted to get out of Game of Thrones. Mm -hmm. Them saying all this shit about they didn't even know what they were doing the whole time. Imagine the shit we don't know about. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Now, on the Star Wars news, 
This still seems, obviously, it's just like a lot of coach talk going on here. It's like, oh, our schedules were busy and like, you know, Kathleen Kennedy. Yeah, yeah this is PR film, bullshit. It, right. It's like, oh, well, we hope to we hope to bring them back into the fold someday Here's, when their schedules aren't as busy. Let me like, read you a piece of the send-off statement from Kathleen Kennedy, uh, who's the president of Lucasfilm. David Benioff and Dan Weiss are incredible storytellers. We hope to include, that's almost like a shot. <laughs> At this point, we hope to include them in the, because that's just patently false. We hope to include them in the journey forward when they are able to step away from their busy schedule to focus on Star Wars. That's doesn't like that very, feel a that little feels bit, passive aggressive. Doesn't yeah, it feel a totally. little bit like, fuck these motherfuckers? Yeah. Now, now, now Kathleen Kennedy is also uh, just off the rails over there at Lucasfilm. Yeah. What's going on? This is like the ninth director that she's fired off a Star Wars film. And she keeps, she, she, the, the, She's trying to have her cake and eat it too, is what it feels like, because she knows that she has this sacred property. Yeah, yeah. That the the fans of which care an immense amount oh, far about too much. Like they like you know they 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 went nuts over the last Jedi because oh my God, Luke Skywalker might not be like the perfect one hundred percent like knight in shining armor that we all thought he was. Like they lost their collective shit because yeah. somebody tried to do something interesting and different with the storytelling. Right. Right. So. She keeps hiring these people like uh, like the Lord Brothers and like uh, uh, Colin Trevorrow and Josh Trank. It's like critically acclaimed, and, yeah, well like these guys, guys. That, that are auteurs. They do something really interesting. They make a an indie film that does really well. Trevorrow, I think, is the guy that did uh, the Jurassic World, um, the first one that was awesome with Chris Pratt, or maybe that was Trank. I can't remember. But like, she keeps hiring. The first these, one was badass. She keeps hiring these directors that seemingly have something. That they want to say, they want to do something different. They're visionaries. They're auteurs, right? Sure. But what she really wants is like a is to keep using football analogies. She wants a game manager. She wants somebody that's just going to like stick to the script and not rock the boat and appease the fan, the you know the fanboys and the diehards out there. Sure. And just like make a movie that makes a billion dollars and doesn't do anything. Don't scramble you know. outside the pocket and get hit by a fucking exactly, linebacker. Exactly. Exactly. Sports like, analogies. Just like today. color in the lines here, dude. And, uh, you know, bring this billion dollar ship home. Sure. So this is like the ninth, eighth or ninth director that has been fired off of a film. So what is it that a people Star keep Wars coming film. in being like, all right, hear me out. Another Skywalker comes into the picture and it's Luke's black illegitimate <laughs> child. Is that what's happening? Like, what the fuck? How do you mess this up? It's the simplest story yeah, of all time. So the, the only one that got through was Ryan Johnson, who did The Last Jedi. Uh-huh. And he made Luke Skywalker like, not a perfect good guy. Right. And people lost their shit. And did some other stuff that they, that that's slipping my mind right now. But he, oh, he played with some of the, uh, I remember people being really upset about the Laura Dern scene where she, uh, you know, rockets the, uh, the ship, like yes. hyperspaces it into another ship. That she, was, that's like, commits... against, that was like against canon. You're not supposed to be able to do that or something. You can't, uh, what's that called? Where you run your ship into a ship? <laughs> Ship running? <laughs> no, what the Mike? Mike's. Kamikaze? Yes, thank you. You can't kamikaze in Star Wars. No, no, no. You can't. It was something about like the the mechanics of hyperspace. What's that called when you run your ship into a ship? <laughs> what a, I've never asked that question before. I'll never ask it again. That was a weird question. So okay, got you. So yeah, something he, about the he did some weird stuff. He did some. He took some liberties with the canon. He tried to make. He he just he he did some different things. He got creative. He got creative, exactly. He did his job. And yeah. people, yeah. Yeah, people And so, it, it, what, what's, what seems to be happening is that, like, at the slightest hint of, you know, issues. Of, of issues, K- 
Kathleen Kennedy just cuts these guys. She's like, it's not yeah, worth it. It's not worth. Yeah. I wonder if it's partially paranoia due to like there was a trilogy of this very series that was has been largely panned by history. Mm-hmm. Uh, the 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 second three, sure. the prequel. Sure. With Jar Jar Binks and all that stuff. That's the. I mean, if you go back and watch that, it, it yeah. aged very, very, very. Oh poorly. god, it's awful. It was bad when it came out. Yeah. And now it's now it's like it's 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 embarrassing that it exists almost. And I feel like maybe that's part of the pressure. Well, the the Force Awakens, the first one of the new one, uh-huh. was relatively well received. It made a kajillion dollars, and it was like a solid B minus, right? Right. And I thought it was, it was sol- yeah about that. Yeah. And it was it was it was a carbon copy of a New Hope. Yeah. So that's I think that's also it, it's it's both. It's the the original or the the last time that they tried to add on a trilogy to the Skywalker saga, it was a it was a horrific mess. Yeah. And then they had great success by just like you know copy it, the formula, find a creative way. Yeah, of doing the, the thing that George Lucas did the first time around. Uh huh. And so now this is their sacred baby, and they don't want. They don't want it messed with. Yeah, that's going to be a weird situation. But I will you, say but, this, but I don't understand why she's not just why. Why are you not just hiring some some puppet, right? Some yeah, but also to get behind the camera. But and also, just like, good for firing Benioff and Weiss because that. I mean, based on what we now know and have seen, I don't want these two dudes putting out anything of importance no, that I need to go see. That that's fair. I'm not. I have no confidence that they would make anything good first. <laughs> For Star Wars. Neither do I. <laughs> so, I almost feel like it would have been a total I, I utter shit show. I don't necessarily blame Kathleen Kennedy for cutting ties, although it does feel kind of reactionary. Mm-hmm. Like, maybe you should sit down and have a conversation with them first. Or maybe she did. Maybe she got on the phone and they were like, yeah, yeah, what's the big deal? Yeah, fuck it. They're both doing so much cocaine at this point. Yeah. Like $250 million yeah. worth of cocaine. That's so much cocaine, dude. Dude, what, I mean, if if this, if they just got lucky, though, what a lottery to hit. Holy Good Lord. mother. Can you imagine living the rest of your life like, Dad, I can't believe that happened. We made Game of Thrones. <laughs> Fuck. That was crazy. Like, I'm, I'm married to Amanda Pete. Yeah, yeah. That would be wild. Yeah. Uh. Yeah, we're, it really would be. Oh, man. We got something else interesting to talk about. But first, this episode of OCC is also brought to you by Dave.com. If you're like me, you're not always paying attention to your bank account balance. And the moment you see you're going to be overdrawn, it is too late. So you end up spending $37 on a cup of coffee thanks to the bank fees. That's where the Dave app comes in, putting an end to overdraft fees for good. Dave is the number one budgeting app in America because it saves you from overdraft fees, tells you about upcoming bills, and can advance you $75 from your next paycheck with no credit check and no interest. Get the Dave app for just $1 per month. That's $12 a year, which is way less than an overdraft fee, and you'll never have to pay one again. Dave will help you budget for upcoming expenses. It's actually my favorite feature of the app and the thing I use it the most for. My budgeting. Dave makes it super simple. It'll text you if you're spending too much, if you're exceeding your budget. If you need cash fast, it'll advance you $75 in just 90 seconds. Mark Cuban is an investor in Dave because he got crushed by overdraft fees in his 20s and wants to make sure you never pay an overdraft fee again. Three million people already use Dave to save up to $1,000 a year in overdraft fees. That's why it's the number one budgeting app in the app store. Go to dave.com slash OCC. Really helps the show. If you let them know you heard it here, so don't just download the app. Go to dave.com slash OCC and then download Dave and never pay another, another overdraft fee again. If you don't go to the, the URL, the, we won't get credit. So you got to go dave.com slash OCC. It's immediate savings. Go now. Dave.com slash OCC spelled just like it sounds. D-A-V-E, dave.com slash OCC. So in other canceled news, Game of Thrones prequel, the one that we were most... Uh, 
hype on, the one that we were hearing the most about, the one starring Naomi Watts, the one that the title was suggested was uh, was a long night, the long night, and I believe mm-hmm. they were going with that at this point. Yeah, it was going to be, and it was this one was the one set thousands of thousands years of years ago, so it was going to be a very different before looking, Game of Thrones. Yes, yeah, but long before the Targaryens and the dragons, right, even right. so, it was going to be a very different looking Westeros. They had filmed the entire pilot. And it's the one that seemed to have the most momentum behind it. And it turns out in the end, it is no more. Yeah. I'm con- color me shocked, man. Like this pilot must have been looking God awful for them to can this. And I, I, I know that. Look, man, I just don't buy that HBO shuts this down based off of the Benny and Benny off and Weiss news out of Austin Film Festival and them losing their Star Wars trilogy. Why would that even be related? I don't know. People are saying that this was that like they're, that they're getting somehow? yeah that they're that they're um, that they're like gun shy with Game of Thrones content right now. I doubt because that very much. If, if anything was is like not based on a George George Martin book or something. Well, man, I mean, in that it, it, look, that's fair. But also, I don't think it's no fair. Way, yeah, that that's what they're thinking, right? Like, I, no, because maybe you hired better showrunners than Benioff and Weiss this time around. And guys that can actually write a script and they, they, they could have pooped in tinfoil and put a hook on it and sold it to Queen Elizabeth as Game of Thrones earrings and like 40 million people would have watched this thing. Yeah, we would have got to talk about it too. You know what is, I mean? That's the biggest bummer for us. Well, uh, that's why, th- that's why I'm, that is why I'm just confused here because why did they not just throw some extra cash at this? reshoot some scenes make it good and do what they did the first time and get a game of thrones now there is there is another sequel that is still in the works and that's i think that's the main look they don't give you any information with these fucking press releases and shit like all we know is that showrunner uh jane goldman has been firing off emails to the cast and crew letting them know the project <laughs> is no longer moving forward yeah, th- th- we're not getting the whole story here man we never I, do with this no. type of shit right because this is weird. I but don't know why wonder, you would. Surely they've been this. weighing the two. Okay, well we've got two in the works. Let's Guess see. That's and possible. Sure, sure, you'd want both if you can. But if one is like clearly kind of mediocre and the other is a shining star, it's like, ooh, fuck no. Yeah, yeah. Now maybe that was the plan all along. Maybe they were going to. Maybe only one of these was going to see the light of day. Maybe. Maybe I don't know. But this is a weird. Now, it's another weird I'm, piece of news. I'm less interested in the one that is still greenlit. The one, what is it, 150 years before like the... Two, like 100, 200 100 to 300 years. It's about the Targaryen... It's about the fall of the Targaryens, which is just like, I feel like I already know too much about. I was more interested in, you know, deep, deep, deep backstory. Sure. Lore. The, the lore. Yeah. yeah. The yeah. most recent Targaryen we watched fall was like enough Targaryen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. That was mm-hmm. enough. That one me. was uh, painful. Yeah, so the other one that's alive is 300 years before the events of Game of Thrones and tracks the beginning of the end for House Targaryen. Uh, I have no information about that one other than... Oh, it's because nothing has been made yet. I don't believe it's even been... Okay. The pilot hasn't even been created. Um, So I guess that means we're not getting any Game of Thrones in 2020. But apparently this was after, like, lengthy post-production, re-editing of the initial cut after it was not well-received... Rumors about issues during filming in Northern Ireland, and then the whole thing gets canned. See, I heard that the the rumors about issues while filming in Northern Ireland. What does that mean? <laughs> I, does that mean like Northern Ireland is like it's, it's it's in danger because all that Brexit stuff and like they can't shoot there anymore? I, I was thinking more like a weather, but it could have been political strife. Yeah, yeah, could have been either or, frankly. Hmm. But uh, 
But yeah, no more Game of Thrones in 2020, it looks like, at the very least. This episode of OCC is also brought to you by Away Luggage. Away creates thoughtful products designed to change how you see the world. The best luggage I've ever owned, bar none. They started with the perfect suitcase, crafted with features that make travel more seamless. Now they offer a range of essentials that solve real travel problems. All you have to do is think about where you're headed next, because Away means getting more out of every trip to come. Every single person that I have talked to that uses Away Luggage, including myself, uh, loves it. Can I tell you about my away suitcase? Please do. I used to have one. What happened to it? Uh, I it no I no longer get to use it because Laura uses it now. That's how it works. Sometimes. So that that's how it works. So this is this is a the better luggage goes to the lady. By the way, it's perfect. In this case, yeah, it's a perfect gift. By the way, Christmas is coming up. It is technically the holiday season now. The the, the mall has tinsel and garland and it's ornaments. October, everywhere. past October first at this point yeah. they start. Uh, yeah, they get but, started. Uh, but it you know it's a, it's a it's a super nice suitcase yes sometimes that's not the easiest thing to buy for yourself right but whoever you buy one for is going to love it and if you do buy one for yourself there's a good chance that your significant other will just take it from you anyways yes so maybe buy two i don't know ah that's that's a good way of thinking anyway, I, I like the way your mind works when, when i've gone on like solo trips i do use it yeah it's awesome. It is phenomenal. It Can't is, say enough good things about it. Super well-built, lightweight, durable shell that's made to last a lifetime of travel. A 100-day trial lets you try any away product on the road. A limited lifetime warranty means they'll fix or replace your bag if it ever gets damaged. It's got a built-in compression pad that helps you pack more in. You know, the thing that flaps over the top and you buckle it in. I fucking love that Very thing. helpful for overpackers S- such as myself. Oh, my God. I love it. Four 360 spinner wheels guarantee a smooth ride. A range of unique personali- personalization offerings, excuse me, including... Hand painting. It's TSA-approved combination locks. Keep your belongings safe. That's a feature I've never had on a piece of luggage before that I thought was phenomenal, as well as the optional ejectable ejectable battery to keep your phone charged if you're like me and you're on your phone all day every day. It's almost always in the airport when you get screwed and you can't find a plug or whatever, and away saves you from that, too. It's, an, it's awesome. The removable laundry bag I use as well. It, like I said, it's, the, it's the, best, the best of the best of the best that I've, that I've ever found. So uh, go to away... Travel.com slash dragon. Use promo code dragon during checkout for $20 off a suitcase today. A-W-A-Y-T-R-A-V-E-L.com slash dragon. Awaytravel.com slash dragon. Promo code dragon during checkout. And uh, get your $20 off a suitcase from Away today. All right. Let's get into Watchmen um, Season 1, Episode 2 Ooh. on HBO. We're watching Watchmen now. We are also watchers of the Watchmen we as are well the as people, yeah. producer Mike, uh, who's going to be, I'm sure, chiming in some today to either correct us when we say something wrong or to give us a bit more information that, if he has That would be share. helpful. Also does a show called uh, Who Pods the Watchmen that's made out of permanent record here in Austin that, that's phenomenal if you need more detailed discussion of Watchmen. But Barrett and I... Uh, are two episodes deep, as are everybody is, I guess. The second episode comes out Sunday. If you're all caught up. Yeah, second episode come out Sunday. So if you haven't seen it yet, you're going to want to skip this segment, obviously. If you have seen it, uh, good for you. And, and again, if you haven't seen it, go watch it. Watchmen episodes one and two have both been great so far. The thing is, I'm just very confused about what the fuck is going on. Yeah. Because it's a Lindelof show. I expected this. This is not like some shocking thing. So I, I was, I liked episode two. Episode two ended and I was like, well, we know nothing. So it's it was definitely one of those episodes where they did not give you very much in the way of uh, information. Like what's what's going said. on. Yeah. There's just so much, like you can feel it. And even in our discussion last week where Mike was giving us a little bit more of the, the stuff that comes from the graphic novels. Sure. 
you can feel that they're building off of so much, right? Yeah. We can let's compare it to Game of Thrones. They're still working with the books. They've right. got plenty to go off of. They're they're tying in the paparazzi moths falling out of the sky and shit, the fucking squid stuff, all the weird, strange things that have no explanation that for people who know the graphic novels sort of know where that inspiration or stuff came from. The paparazzi moths? No, I'm not sure. I'm not, I don't, I'm There's not aware a, of that. The humans with wings oh, that's flying right, that's over right, the that's car. Right. Yeah, yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. That was based on a superhero from the book. There was a superhero called Mothman. Okay. Who had a Mothman-like um, That's right. Suit. I, yes. And then he went nuts <laughs> and was committed to an insane asylum. So his legacy lives on, apparently, in the paparazzi okay. in 2019. See, they have all these cool little things like that. Yes. Yeah. By the way, that uh, those the paparazzi moths feel like they're about three years away from being a reality. Yep. Wouldn't shock me. I mean, me if, j- seriously. Barrett, if we walked out of the studio tonight and one of those fell from the sky into our heads, it wouldn't shock me. Yeah. I, well, they're because always after credentialed. us. I mean, yeah. Look at, yeah. Creden- credentials. Yep, yep, Don't forget yep. it. Um... <laughs> So, okay, well, speaking of the, 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 what this episode did have a lot of was references to the canon and to the graphic novel. That it did. So one that I'm sure it, even the most vaguely familiar people will recognize is this Vate character out in his mansion putting on this play for one. Yo, what's going on with this guy? That is obviously the play that he's written is the actual story from the graphic novel about how Doctor Manhattan, Manhattan comes to be. Comes to be. It's yeah. the one we see play out in the Watchmen movie and in the graphic novel. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Well. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. I've only seen the movie. I haven't read the book. Um, but yeah, that dude. So I, I like keep. I'm, I'm obviously completely ignorant of this world of Watchmen sure. outside of having seen the movie and and having done zero research into any of the backstory or building of this show on HBO. Um, are you Are you guys finding the transitions to Jeremy Irons character a little jarring every episode um if you are I can tell you why okay why I think it's a different timeline okay so that's mm-hmm. there's been in in episode one there's like maybe something that is a time machine they don't say that but not, it, maybe not necessarily I think what's going on is in the first episode we see him celebrating a one year anniversary yes in the second episode he's celebrating a second year anniversary uh, so yes. I think we're leading up yeah. to 2019 with him and I think he is building or doing something that is going to affect our characters right. in, the, in 2019 can, can you confirm Vate he is in the no, in the novel right yeah he is yeah. Ozymandias he's the guy who he, created the squid okay that's right that's what I thought yeah, he's he is, a bad guy he's the big bad in the in the the old man is yeah in the yeah. graphic okay. novel Got it. Yeah, when I see him riding on horseback or whatever, I was like, I just figured he was super fucking weird. Okay, yeah. that, it, when he when they did the cake again, mm-hmm. I didn't catch the second candle. Yeah, they, it was a really quick cut, and yeah. so I was like, and he's like, what, oh, get, what, get on. What with I it. actually thought is because, or, or maybe I put it together when you like realize that he's like cloning his servants yes. as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, maybe he does this every day, even maybe. You know what but I mean? I, yeah. I, I think it's it it's starting to feel like a Westworld season one situation where there's two timelines. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That would make the, and, sense. Uh, because there just there's no connection at all between the two. Th- there is like an atmospheric something about this show. It also it, it's partially the score that sometimes feels uh, Trent we- Reznor Westworldy to me. And yeah, ah. it's the Trent Reznor score, Nine Inch Nails, dude. Okay. It, it's very, very cool. There's also like one of the main themes sounds like the music uh, from Halloween, the movie. Yeah. It's like very creepy. Mike Myers-y. Yeah, like a little the, bit. It, it's another movie that, that some of the score is making me think of is like Resident Evil. Okay. I didn't see that. Never but saw. Just something about like Resident the electronic Evil. like 
kind of you know yeah, sure. tremoring bass lines are uh, I don't know they're cool. Um, what else? Uh, oh, we got the uh, so there's a like a just kind of an interlude scene where we see a girl pick up a bunch of newspapers from a newsstand. Yes, and the, when we cut to that scene, we like see the headline on a newspaper. And then, like, the guy in the newsstand just, like, chatting. Uh-huh. So in the graphic novel, just kind of interspersed, almost, like, in between every chapter, that's, like, the cutaway. It's, like, the it, it's like the what's going on in the real world. The way they shift scene and shit? Yeah, so it'll of? just cut to, in the graphic novel, it just cuts to this dude and this other guy talking at a newsstand. Okay. And they're talking about, like, what's going on in the world. Got it, got it. And so that was definitely pulled straight from the graphic novel I was novel wondering why well. they were, like, we were suddenly at this newsstand watching this that, man a little Yeah, bit. so if they keep that up, we'll just, like, get those cut scenes like that that don't, that may not even, they'll probably connect eventually. Right. But they might, they don't have to. It could just be... Yeah. Like a, you know, a plot device, basically. So, on the surface level, and as I was saying to you on text, I was like, I feel like I'm a surface level viewer of this sure, show. Sure. We've got this main character, um, this female police officer who is, uh, um, that at some point, we finally saw the attack this episode. Mm-hmm. She was attacked. All of these police officers' identities were revealed in, in, a, in a combat against a group called the 7th Cavalry, which is essentially like a KKK type of situation. Uh, yeah, seems. I would say it would, it would... Basically, it's the it's the uh, successor to the and KKK. Uh, yeah, the next because we know the KKK exists as well. Sure, from this episode as well. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. The, which is you know, he's got the whole hood and and everything in the fucking closet and shit. By the way, it it's not surprising that that uniform evokes the emotion that it does. But uh, when you like see that kind of like Grand Duke, whatever it is, like yeah, yeah. robe and hood, sitting in the closet like there, when she opens the door. I was just like, there is no other uniform or costume or any like style of dress like that that makes you feel that way. Like it's the it's the it is the scariest, like most terrifying, just like most like I don't know. It it's, just it, it, it just it, gets it, you it in evokes your gut. an emotion evokes, of anger almost, y- or like yeah, because well, it's but, so hate filled. That fucking stupid mask with the eye holes cut it, out. I also think that there's nothing that we can even like. It has no reference point. So when I see like a Nazi SS uniform, uh, that's what I was going to compare it to. It's the only other thing where the, when I see I'm like motherfucker. I, but but that looks like a lot of other military uniforms. Yeah. Whereas this, it's is just like, like the the Third Reich Eagles and like the red and the swastika and the red band that kind of differ- differentiate that, yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. But it, there's nothing else that looks like a Ku Klux Klan hood and rope. And, and like it's, it's just like it's a four-year-old so dressing as a ghost for Halloween. Singular. I don't know. It's just crazy how. Okay. Like it, you know I what's mean, funny? It's not crazy. It, it's part of the worst thing. We have to pull the parallel ever, here, basically. But the, the guy that has this hidden in his closet is in another movie. Is in a movie, a Quentin Tarantino film called uh, uh, "What's the one about Django, slavery?" Django, Django Unchained. Unchained. Thank you, producer Mike. And uh, there's a scene in that movie where he is him and all the KKK, including Jonah Hill, are having this whole thing in discussion about the hoods. And how one of the KKK guys' wives made all the hoods, and they're putting on the hoods, and they're like, it's this hilarious scene, and it sort of, it was like the first thing I ever saw that sort of took some of that power away from the KKK uniform. Mm -hmm. And I remember just appreciating that scene for that reason. Yeah. And then uh, this episode last night, like, no, it still definitely had an effect on me. Like, when she pulls it, it's it's also a black woman finding it is what's totally totally and, and she, by the way we're talking about how it makes us feel like i can hardly imagine oh, how yeah. it makes like, totally different deal black people feel totally 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 <laughs> different deal um but this woman who loved this man so much and she's it, 
we get some backstory of them. Like the first time they met was after that attack, right? Was after she was attacked. She, yes. He, or, or, he's the or, captain who visits her in the hospital. And oh, it's, that's right. Well, okay. So maybe that's, maybe that is the first time they've met. That scene, I think we get, Mike, and tell me if I'm way off here. I mm-hmm. think the scene that we get in the hospital was the first time they met because there's an introduction between yeah. the two of them and stuff. I think but maybe she they acknowledges him as captain, which is strange. I think they had met before because not they didn't have the relationship they have now right, with the show, clearly. well, before he died. But I think they had met before, maybe just when she moved to the force or moved up, and it was just like, a, okay, here's. Yeah, Here's your it, desk. And sure. it was also post-White Knight that they started wearing the masks. Right. 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 And yeah. So, it was. so she would have at least known who he, who and it he was, is. It okay. was post-White White Knight when they, they were the only two cops left after post-White you know, yeah. Knight. And they, every single other cop on the force quit? Either quit or were killed right. that Man. night. So they together rebuilt the police force, apparently. And came up with the idea for the masks and shit, I imagine. And Probably, the, yeah. Yeah, so maybe we'll get some more of, of how that kind of begins. But the point is, she's had this relationship with this man for so many years, and now she's finding the grand Ku Klux Klan hood in his closet, and what the hell? Yeah. And then she's got this wheelchair guy in her kitchen who apparently handcuffs her ineffective against. Uh, <laughs> well, Mike, I did notice- Talking I, in riddles I, and shit, who ends up being her dad, I, her grandpa. Gran- so. Grandfather, grandpa, yeah. yeah. I felt like in this episode, they made the- they give you more distinct glimpses of like that purple vest with hood under his jacket. Right. Like it's a little bit now Mike had called it out. So I kind of knew to look sure, for sure. it, but it, it, it felt more obvious in this episode. Yeah. And clearly we're going to, we're going to dive or at least get some of like what happened to that little boy between the first scene we sure. saw in episode one and now. Yeah. And the, uh, the TV show within the TV show that we saw. Yes. Is the character that me and most people are theorizing that, Louis Gossett Jr. does play the uh, hooded justice. Oh shit! Okay. Oh, with the with all the ropes around his neck. Right. That's okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. All right. Word. And he, yeah, he that character is from the graphic novel as well, right? Yeah. That character I've seen. Was he not in the movie? Um, the movie has some flashbacks. There's different okay. eras of yes. superheroes. I in, forgot about in the book and movie. Beginning and he of Watchmen, part... they sort of go through the beginning right. of the movie. They sort of go yeah, through that, the yeah. that visual of the guy with like the basically like the the cut nooses around his neck. Yeah. was definitely familiar yeah, to yeah. me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was in the movie. Um, Interesting. And that that scene of the show within the show just seemed to kind of be dogging on the movie a little bit. Like the violence you was kind of cartoony <laughs> and over the top, kind of like the movie was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, nod or making fun of it, maybe, maybe, maybe a little bit. Yeah. Um. Anyway, the 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 note that the dude is carrying, that's that because she goes to finally she snaps right. She gets the phone call from the DNA thing she tested with the cup to see if he's actually mm-hmm. the guy that killed her former boss, who she then goes and finds the KKK hood in his closet with the cool glasses on. Uh, she she does the museum thing. She gets the call and she finds out whoever whoever's DNA this is that she turned in. Is, uh, I guess, has the ability to get the red predations mm-hmm. and is a second generation removed victim of all that. And this is her grandpa. Y- yeah, more or less. So this was that dude's cup. Just to rewind, mm-hmm. this was his cup, Mike. Yes. And that was it. It's simple as that. You go to a museum. If I can. Cop a cup off you, I can take your shit to a museum and get your fucking DNA tested? Well, well if you're potentially yeah. a victim of the Tulsa uh, massacre. So why did she have a feeling that that was going to be the case? And I mean, what took her down like the, even going that route, like to go get the cup tested well, and see? I think that she was, it felt like she was using that to, I try to 
begin to narrow who this person was down who this person was and then it just so fucking and then i think when it says when it, when that phone call like says to her you have and it's talking about will but it's like you have like two descendants as well if you say their names we can confirm them i and think she she's just kind of like name, right yeah and so i think she's just maybe taking a shot in the dark there well that hit pretty this, hard this guy's I don't know. He's you know he's being very personal, right? Like he's, he's. I mean, he clearly set it up to where she would figure eventually who he was, but he didn't want to tell her for some reason. Or he's one of these mind game characters who can never come straight out with anything. Probably that. Like the the monkey in Lion King. He never just fucking <laughs> says. He reminds me of that. This character reminds yeah, me of the monkey yeah, yeah. in Lion. He's a what's that dude's name? Rafiki. Rafiki. He's the Rafiki of this show. Yeah. Everything's got to be a goddamn riddle, and you got to figure it out yourself. He's just there to laugh at you. Yeah. And hit you with a. Stick. He needs a stick. They need to get this guy. Painting things on trees. Painting on, yes. Painting on trees with different (laughs) fruits and such. Yes. Different foods. Yeah. But I don't know if we're going to see him because, you know, then the old spaceship uh, grabs grabs the truck. Yeah. She's like, I'm I'm taking you in. And they have this like real intimate moment where she's holding him and Mm -hmm. she's realizing I'm holding my grandpa. Yes. And putting him in the the truck. But he had already said like, yo, it wouldn't matter if you tried (laughs) to arrest me. I would just get saved probably. And the fucking thing drops out of the sky and picks up the car, which reminded me of Brave Little Toaster because there's a scene and I've talked about that this week and there's this whole, everything is tied together, Barrett. All, everything yeah. in life. Time's a flat circle. It really is. Um, can, can I drop in something? Yeah, yeah. The, uh, when she's wearing those goggles uh-huh. and she finds the KKK suit. Yes. Those look very much like um, Night Owl goggles. Night Owl was one of the main characters okay. in the book. In the first episode... The cops are flying Night Owl ship. Yes. Right. Yeah, the and ship they, is yeah, it's very recognizable. And, they, and they, they don't seem to know what the fuck they're doing with it, and they crash it, and now she has these goggles. Okay. And on HBO's Watchmen site, which if you're a fucking nerd like me, you, you can look at, and it gives you all the information of what happened between the graphic novel and now. Ah. Apparently, they've uh, Night Owl has been withheld by the FBI for some reason, and- all of his superhero shit was confiscated. My guess is maybe they confiscated it in Tulsa, and now the, the local cops who don't know how to use this it. shit are using it. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. Okay, so they're just grabbing random other available superhero right. shit and, go, and going like, this with looks it. Like, this Mike, looks what, pretty cool. Did, did you have any thoughts about the kind of like hyper-aggressive warnings that were that were yeah. in front of um, American Hero Story? I think it's interesting. Because they went forever? Yeah, it did. It was weird. Because obviously we're seeing a world where... The leadership is mostly liberal and right. left. Okay. Um, but I think what we're trying to, what this show is doing, is critiquing both sides. So it's kind of a joke of, I guess you guys have seen that meme. This is the future liberals want, you know, where it's always an extreme version of what a liberal might want the world to look like. Sure. Okay. Yeah. And I think that was a nod to that kind of meme. Like, we would make sure everybody is safe and 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 totally unoffended and unoffended, not be yeah. in any way okay. hurt by exactly. this. Yeah. and we're going to give you each and everything. But they still can... allow the program on, right? I, yeah. I, I am. I do get a, a sense from two episodes that there's like that. This is not either a hyper liberal nor a hyper conservative show. I think it's mm-hmm. definitely yeah. making fun of, or, or or taking shots at the. The system and society yeah. as a whole. I think it's really trying to highlight that cultural divide that we're living right. in now and showing us this could be, this is getting 
a lot worse. This sure. cultural divide, this political divide. And we're still in the in the first three episodes, which as I always say is like the building period or whatever. Right. So like I didn't expect episode two to end, as I said, because it's a Lindelof show and me have a great amount of information <laughs> about either what was going on or where we were going from here. Right. But I'm definitely like hooked as much as I need to be through two sure. episodes. Um they've done a fine job so far. And this is that woman is phenomenal, man. What is her? What's the actress? The main Regina, actress? Regina King. Regina King is phenomenal. She was phenomenal in The Leftovers, yeah. which was a show that was difficult to stand out on, and she still did. Her mm-hmm. character yeah. and her presence on that show stood out, and and so I'm happy to see her. Yeah, she's she ki- gets so she's, much fucking work now, she's dude. She's killing it. Yeah, she's everywhere. But um, I'm stoked on Watchmen, and I'm and I'm excited. It's nice to have like my surface level version of it, a medium version of it with you, and then Mike, who's like way too deep uh, yeah, on the website it's, looking it's, for. Uh, I think and we're shit. touching on, or we're covering all of our bases here. Also, did you notice the kid with that floating like Lego model that he was making? Yes. Uh-huh. Okay, yep. that was a boy. Uh, yeah, I thought that was a little girl. <laughs> Topher? Yeah, it's Topher. That's uh, a boy, dude. That's all a right. boy. All right. <laughs> Okay, and previously, and, and maybe in this episode, we saw um, some shots of Mars where Dr. Manhattan is like oh, destroying- Oh, I saw a, y'all's Instagram about yeah, this. Yeah, he's like destroying a castle. Okay, the castle do- Dr. Manhattan was making on Mars and then destroyed, and the castle the boy was making, if you look at screenshots, they're the same. Hmm. And it looks just like Vate's castle. What? Yeah. So- Dude. Interesting. It worries me that there's connections like that because it's like, then do we get to a point where none of this shit is real or like this is all Dr. Manhattan or is there like some yeah. weird tie to what, you know what I mean? I think it's all going to be meaningful because I think Lindelof really wants to pay shit off now after True. the debacle of Lost. So. Sure. Well, what's the deal, okay, with the little boy that's building the castle? Mm-hmm. Um, just briefly, she's running like essentially, that's, nah, those, that's not her uh, child. All three yeah. of those kids- are the kids of her partner, of her former police was partner killed. that yeah. was killed in bed with his wife. Right. And that's she that adopted former him. police partner's dad is the scumbag on the porch saying like, I it's think my that's day. her grandfather. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Well, yeah. The dead partner's Doyle's dad. Doyle's d- uh, dad yeah. is who we think that is. That makes sense. Yeah. And, uh, and clearly like the situation is that Topher is the only one that was old enough to like remember his parents and to remember what happened to them. And is he has superpowers? Because two little no. girls who are super happy and call her mom and like, yeah, you know, okay. they, they, they were babies basically. So well, they've only, they they really only know and remember these these people as her parents. I gotta stop watching this show high. What, so he's not building like a, that thing's floating, right? The castle? Yeah, I think it's just a technology. Toy. That's the way yeah. the technology yeah, A modern is. day toy, yeah. Man, we need floating toys badly. <laughs> it, the worst. In the Watchmen book, I believe the only person who really has superpowers is Dr. Manhattan. Okay. Everyone yes. else is a vigilante. I, yeah. mm-hmm. Everyone else is a vigilante with a tight ass costume and like- Pretty much. Good athleticism. Right. That works out. Well, some of them are actually like kind Batman. of- Chunky. Right. Yeah. Anyway- um, Watchmen's been phenomenal so far. This episode of OCC is also brought to you by Manscaped, a fantastic company finally providing men with the tools we need to properly maintain our downstairs mix-ups. They also have awesome boxers and stuff too. I'm wearing a pair of their boxers right now. If you're using a terrible and incorrect tool with which to trim, to trim, excuse me, or groom your pubic region, you're being a buffoon. But don't feel bad. It's a common issue for men. Most guys don't know what product to use to clean themselves up, and that's where Manscaped was born. In that problem, like for me, I used to always use my electric facial hair razor, retire it, and turn it into a body hair tool. 
That is not what that's made for, and that's why you end up with nicks and cuts and snags. Just go to manscaped.com, make it easy, use the code OCC, get 20% off your entire order, grab their entire manscaping system, including the Lawnmower 2.0, which is a rechargeable waterproof trimmer with skin-safe technology for a nick-free trim. It's phenomenal. Uh, their whole product line was created specifically for a man's distinctive grooming needs below the waist, featuring specially formulated products to cleanse, moisturize, and deodorize. Manscaped also offers tools engineered to give every gentleman a close, refined appearance. Empowering us with the right tools for the right job. Manscaped.com. The code is OCC for 20% off. M-A-N-S-C-A-P-E-D.com. Promo code OCC for 20% off your entire order. And your balls will thank you. Bumblebee Tuna moving on. George Clooney's top five movies quickly, Barrett. Wow. We got, and, and then we got a roll. Okay. Because the strows are on. That It's true. This would this was the toughest one. That, I, I feel like so far out of all these that we've done, this was the toughest one for me. Okay. Because I think I've seen the most movies featuring George Clooney. So let me just start with my number one, very clear cut. He's in a no, lot of movies. No questions asked, Batman and Robin. Sure, obviously. Right. Goes without saying. Um, the best just, Clooney film ever made. Just kidding. Uh, no, I, I actually haven't put together Yo, quite my top five. But you know one of the things I love about George Clooney as a person and as a, an actor and a dude? Yeah. Is that he jokes about that, laughs about that movie? Yeah, and how they totally, put nipples totally. on the bat suit and how fucking terrible it was. Yeah, yeah. He openly acknowledges that. A lot of actors won't even talk about their projects that went right, wrong. Right, right. Um, he- here is my top five, I would say, in no particular order. I'm going to, I'm gonna, for the sake of, uh, you know, keeping it tight, I'm going to lump tight, tight, tight. all of the Oceans movies into one. Fair. But, th- but that's up there. I love those movies. All three of them. Two is is not is not as good as the other two, but um, or Ocean's Twelve is not as good as the other two, but it's still fantastic. And he is, you know, he's what makes those those movies hum, baby, hum. Oh God, yeah. Um, another one is uh, The Descendants. Phenomenal film. Wow, I have not seen that one. Also, shouts to Shailene Woodley, who's who who kind of blew up after that film. That was the one that kind of brought her out. Yeah, very, very good. Just kind of, it's, it's, The Descendants is one of those movies that uh, modern day film critics will say things like, they don't make films like this anymore. Ah. Because it's like, not a, it's, it's a, an adult drama, not a big budget film, didn't have a lot of marketing. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's just like, it's, it's kind of slow paced. It's about, you know, life. Not not trying to do too much. Not trying, yeah, exactly. Has He's got telling a story. Got humorous elements to it, but there's nothing like thrilling or it's shocking. A little, it's a little or depressing. Violent about it. Yeah. Um, oh, brother, where art thou? That's a great movie, man. Yeah, love and that one. Clooney is obviously a regular in the Coen Brothers films as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not going to put Burn After Reading in my top five, but it's also very good. I really enjoyed Burn After Reading. I also won't put it in my top five, and I'll say that's the most uncomfortable Clooney character by far. Watching that man sleaze around on the screen is in 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 burn out the reading is phenomenal. Yeah, uh, and then I, I and then I'm closing it out with um, up in the air. Okay, also starring Anna Kendrick. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Another one that is just like it, it, it's one of those films they don't make anymore. Ross, this guy's done too many movies. This guy's uh, in a million movies. And then um, for for number five, I am throwing in. Oh shit! Where to? How go? much money does this guy have? What is Clooney's net worth now? Didn't he make a billion dollars off a of tequila or something? He made half a billion, I believe. Yeah. What a what a what a fucking life this dude's living, and he's married to like a like an international uh, women uh, human rights lawyer or something mm-hmm. who's a ten, just fucking happens to be a ten. <laughs> 
He's worth $500 million. Yeah, man. Wow. Yeah. Uh, wow. Oh, shit. Where was my fifth one? Good for him. Well, well, I'll do mine, and maybe one of mine will be your fifth. Okay. Yeah, do it. Is that what did I have? Okay, I had you? the Ocean's Films, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Um, I'll give you one that has to be on your list if you've seen it. It's Michael Clayton. Yeah, okay. I think I was going Michael Clayton. That's a, it's, a, it's, it's one of my favorite movies ever, that, ever. Yeah, and it hits on right. a bunch of different shit, including like, uh, like the money over morals stuff that I like to talk about a lot of late, but also mental illness and like the way corporations work and the way that it, it, that's, that's all. And it's, he's an, a phenomenal character in that movie. Um, definitely, definitely in my top five. Uh, Three Kings. Okay. Is, it has to be. It has to. I love Three Kings. I can't really explain why I love it as much as I do, but that combo of Wahlberg, Ice Cube, and Clooney will never be <coughs> replicated ever. Uh, from dawn to or from dusk till dawn, rather, which is the Robert Rodriguez like old school fucking yeah, yeah. vampire movie. Mm-hmm. That was one of the first movies, like weird movies, I watched that got me into weird movies like Robert Rodriguez and Quentin Tarantino like to do, like those more art housey type of weird shit. Um, and it was one of my dad's favorites and, and he got me into it. I remember skipping school when that movie came out just to go see it. No shit. Yeah. High school uh, or junior high. What? No, it was high school. Yeah. I love the oceans movies, man. I can include all those, um, as one sort of on mine. And then, uh, I'm, I, I want, I want to put like, I can't decide Argo or the perfect storm. One of those has to be on there. You can't do, f- I love fantastic Mr. Fox, but that's not a, that's a claymation movie. I, yeah. That I almost through Fantastic Mr. Fox on there, but I, I, yeah, I love it. But it I stuck, count. I stuck to the rules because it's just a voice, just a, just a voice uh, acting. Yeah. So I, I don't know which one of those. It, it, if I'm having to pick, ah, fuck, that's tough. That's have you guys seen Out Perfect of Sight? Storm. Perfect. So Storm. I was just about to mention Out of Sight. That that is a classic. It, it, yeah. I Out of Sight is likely in my top five when I go rewatch it. But this movie came out in 1998, and the last time that I watched it was probably 2003 mm-hmm. or four. I don't believe I've seen this movie. Oh, it's like it, it it's it's a it's the movie that makes it not 100% shocking that Jennifer Lopez might get nominated for an Oscar. She is brilliant in that movie. Because it's like, they oh, Jennifer such, Lopez really yeah. can't act and then after that she didn't do it again ever again basically. And then she did it again in They Hustlers. have awesome chemistry in that movie. Yeah. So good. What? Okay. And it's it's uh Soderbergh. Soderbergh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, yeah, it's in continuity is... with Quentin Tarantino's Jackie Brown. No shit. Mm-hmm. That is the, they're based on the same series of novels. Oh wow! wow. I didn't, and I know, I, that's a that's a tidbit that I and Michael know. Keaton plays the same character in both movies. Huh. Very cool. This is a new one. This may shock you, Barrett. Verlander gave up a run in the first. Don't shit your pants. <laughs> he gave up a run in the first. It's what he does. It's only one run, dude. It's why, not a big deal. Why does he do that? It's not a big. Deal. Yeah, it's not a big deal unless it's three. One. It turns we only got three. one. It, it, they, they're it's already over. Inning. They're out of the half inning. We got away with one. That's fine. One uh. is fine. One is one is not gonna do shit. But uh, yeah. All right. One's better good? than three. We good with Clint. Let's get. We gotta go watch this game. That'll do it for today's episode of OCC. Huge thanks to our sponsors again for supporting the show. Make sure you support them to support us. And if for some reason you don't need the greatest products known to man, which are brought to you by the sponsors of this show, you can support us directly uh, by going to Patreon.com/slash/OystersClamsCockles. It's also if you've ever asked yourself, where can I get more OCC? The answer is patreon.com slash oysters, clams, cockles. We actually live streamed this entire episode on Twitch. If you're a Twitch person or that sounds interesting to you, go to twitch.com slash B-O-S-S-R-O-L-E-N and follow and subscribe. But uh, the video will be available in one place and one place only after the fact, after we're finished being live here, which is in a matter of minutes. And that one place is patreon.com slash oysters, clams, cockles. We're in October. If you signed up right now, 
what is it, the end of the month, right? So it's like, oh, do I sign up now? Do I wait? If you sign up now, you're going to get immediate access to everything we did in October, including our movie club review of Joker and discussion of Joker, the Righteous Gemstone season one wrap up. We've got Fleabag season two coming, uh, what, tomorrow or the day after tomorrow? Something like Thursday, that, yeah. Something yeah. like that, something, something. Uh, we've got a hotline call extravaganza in there for the Mollusk Militia. Fantastic stuff. We're excited to talk about what we're going to bring you all uh, in November on the next uh, Patreon episode as it comes later this week. Uh, patreon.com slash oysters clams cockles you can follow us on social media on instagram at oysters clams cockles on twitter at clams and cockles on facebook.com slash oysters clams cockles my name is ross bolin and you can follow me at w-r-b-o-l-e-n on uh, instagram twitter and snapchat and you can listen to my show the ross bolin podcast in all the places that you're listening to occ apple podcast spotify soundcloud also brought to you by bolin media barrett where can we follow you and hear more of your lovely voice uh at barrett dudley instagram twitter you can also check out my other podcast club cool wherever you are listening to this one we meet at the intersection of style and pop culture, culture. if uh, that's a place that you want to hang out god ross ones we didn't even mention the thin red line the Ides of March with Gutworth with Ryan Gosling was too really many. cool. Is it too many movies? Hail Caesar, another Coen Brothers film that I heard that I I've, I've heard very positive things about, but have not seen. <laughs> yeah, man, just yeah. What about the Men Who Stare? Good night, goats? And good luck. Think that think that won an Oscar or two? He directed that. I tried to watch that at one point. I got twenty minutes in, and there was too much journalism happening. Gravity with Sa- with old Sandy Bullock. I loved Gravity. Right. He's like kind of a smaller role in that. It's How mostly Sandy Bullock. How come he's in so many but... of these quirky movies like Burn After Reading, Leatherheads, Monuments? Or I guess is Monuments been one of those? A lot. Uh, a lot of those are the Coen Brothers. Those ones. are all the Coen Brothers ones. That not he not all those ones. That Hail Caesar is another Hail one. Hail Caesar. Oh brother, where art thou? Fantastic, uh, Mr. Fox is quirky. Burn After Read the and Burn After Reading are definitely Coen Brothers. Spy films. Kids very quirky. What? Yeah. No, no Spy Kids, not no Spy, spy Kids. Kids. That's Robert house. Rodriguez, isn't it? Uh, eh. Played the president. Of that. Eh, this motherfucker's been doing. Was it? Where did he get his start? Was it a uh, ER? ER. There, that's kind of what put him on. ER. Yeah, man. man. Crazy to crazy to is, think. That is something else, Mike. What? What? Mike, holler at everybody. Tell them where they can follow you and listen to more Watchmen discussion as well. Oh yeah, you can find our podcast at whopodswatchmen.com. And I'm on Twitter. I'm tweeting about the Watchmen. Are you at, tweeting? Are you twittering at, now? I'm twittering. Okay. At Mike Moody. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you all. Thanks to everybody who tuned in on Twitch. We appreciate you. Look at look at me. Look at me. Look at me. I'm moving. I'm dancing. You can see me. Uh, we'll be back <laughs> soon. I'm now consumed by my phone going uh, Gamecast. So, you know. Okay. Let's get the fuck out of here. Go Astros. Bye. Hopefully tonight's the night. Adios, muchachos. Credentials. Credentials. <laughs>